Welcome to Marketing Matters with Art of Strategy. Hey, welcome back to Marketing Matters with Art of Strategy Consulting. We are here today with me. I'm Tina Winslow. I'm the CEO of Art of Strategy, and I have my COO here, David Silva. Hi, David. Hey, Tina. Good to be back. (laughs) One of my favorite places during the week. That's right. Our little podcast hover craft we've got going on. Uh, so do you want to, you had some ideas on, on topics today. You want to head us out? Yes. Uh, you know, we like to talk about marketing and the business, but it's easy to forget that we're all swimming in the entire American history of popular culture. And sometimes we forget that that pop, a lot of that popular culture actually started in marketing, right? So you and I are from a generation, you know, that's, We'll just say we started it all. But beyond that. (laughs) We are the Gen X. We We, are the Gen X. You know, the last good one. And if you don't think so, whatevs. Uh, (laughs) So starting along those lines, I don't think there's a company or brand out there that doesn't want to swing for the fences, right? Everybody wants to be known and well-known. That's the goal. I mean, with marketing, you want to... 50% 50% of it, you know, you want to be known. The other 50%, you want to get the work done. So Exactly. And so I wanted to explore the question, how do you go from brand to icon, right? Mm. So if we start looking at some of the familiar icons, right, we can start with a jingle for Band-Aid, you know, just kind of one is that we don't call elastic plasters Band-Aids <laughs> and we don't say plaster in the U.S., uh, Another popular one, Coca-Cola. Oh, right? the classic. And speaking of classic, the kerfuffle that we remember is new Coke versus classic Coke. Oh, yes. And that's, there was no classic. They just ripped it. They, right. they were like, oh, by the way, here's the new How Coke. How do we undo this? And so <laughs> like in marketing schools, you would hear the, the Coke, new Coke, classic Coke as a case study, right? Years and years. Well... Driving down the highway, I saw some marketing genius solve the problem. How did they do that? Instead of creating a a thing, right, a comparison in consumers' minds between Coke Zero, for example, Diet Coke or regular Coke, what have you, they simply had the simple statement, best Coke ever, question mark. Oh, that's genius. Yeah. And in that moment, it was like, well, do I like Coke Zero? Do I like Diet Coke more? What about regular Coke? It's like, no, best Coke ever, question mark. And then the consumer can decide, which we always do. Yes. I mean, it's always subjective in some ways to what your taste is about. But it's driven by this brand that you have grown up with or that you your family has grown up with. So Exactly. And and one of the kind of the unknown or incalculable weights that an iconographic, if that's word, brand, a heavy brand, let's call it a heavy a brand. brand. Iconographic? No, yeah, I no. don't know what that word is. <laughs> Sorry. Let's call them a heavy 
right, is that <laughs> a heavy brand uh, can act as a, as a keel if you get yourself in trouble, right? How can you get in trouble? It depends on the market. And trouble is probably a heavy word, but there can certainly be kerfuffles yes. around certain brands. Um, if you tuned in to, the, to the, our spot last week, you're introduced to the social media algorithm. Uh, and how when good things go bad is not hard to to do the math on that. It, it's pretty turns bad. And so it turns <laughs> it bad. It turns bad. <laughs> turns bad quick. And it's nobody's fault. It's just how the algorithm works. Um, and so there was a kerfuffle around Bud Light. And nobody wanted to touch it. It was hot for all the terrible reasons that it became a hot issue. But ex- outside of that, someone did the math on how people respond to the brand. And so if you tuned into Sunday football, Monday night football, you're discovered. Football? What is that? Football. That's soccer. That's soccer. That's right. (laughs) American football. What you saw in the commercials is that the brand being reintroduced in a soft reintroduction so that people talked about uh, enjoying your friends, enjoying the games, enjoying sports. And when they reintroduced the can itself, people had their hand over the words Bud Light, but it also has an unmistakable blue color that everyone who consumes it knows. So somebody did the math and discovered that the words trigger negatively while the color is neutral or positive. So is that a wink and a nod to their like loyal customers or is that like, hey, we're not, you know, this monster that you think we are? It's, it's, probably the best thing they're going to get trying to please everybody. That's true. Because regardless of our intentions, operations can only do math with numbers, right? Right. It's like, well, we wanted it to go well. That's fine. But I can't do math with maybe, right? Yeah. yeah. And so reintroducing a brand, you know, that guy, Kevin Leary from uh, Shark Tank was like, I'm going to talk about this for decades in my marketing class, you know? And I'm like, well, good. Cause yeah. it's a, it's a kerfuffle and it's a, it's a rescue. And it how, how will it turn? I don't know. Well, and you were talking about Band-Aids earlier, how they're never known as a plastic strip or whatever. They (laughs) they always try to get this generic term in there because Band-Aids have become synonymous with, you know, the plastic strip you put over a wound. Exactly. So, or a scratch or whatever you put your... (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, I'm wearing one right now. And I think it's a... Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head from uh, from Toy Story. Um, Clearly, someone has kids. <laughs> somebody has kids. Yes. Ah, good intro. The and here's the other far-reaching thing. So, uh, two daughters, one ten, likes to play Roblox, right? But here's the part that puzzled me. Okay, whenever there was a chase sequence or someone was being snuck upon, <laughs> snuck upon, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> She would start humming the opening bars of the Jaws theme. Da, dun, da, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, I know you've never seen that movie. Yeah, you're like, I know for a fact yeah. that you've never seen that movie. <laughs> so where where does someone who was never there at the origin point grab correct associations with the brand? Right? Yeah, that's an interesting, you know, it's almost like 
how did they get, did they pull it out of the ether or did they see it on the internet or like, how did they equate danger with the Jaws song? That's, yeah. that's beautiful <laughs> chef's kiss branding, you know? And, and so exactly, like how does a 10 year old who's never seen Jaws, who's associate the John Williams intro with an attack? And it, it goes back to the point of, we are, our culture is made up of branding in ways that are sometimes unknown to us. Well, they right. permeate the, you know, environment to the point that a 10 year old did pick it up somewhere. And now it's part of the, as you said, the lexicon, yeah. you know. And so then now the, the big payoff, right? The payoff's like, why are we listening to this point? All right. So now we're going to cover what are the secret ingredients? Yes. How do you do it? How do we do it? Right. Based on our research, right, what we've looked at is that it's all about better, but it's not better in a product-specific way. Nobody changes their life based on a better French fry. But if you present branding around a better way to live, having a better life, or just better living in general – Right. all the same words, they all mean different things, then you can start to reach into that bright future that people will want to ingrain in their lives. So do you think that that, so when they did the branding of Coke versus Pepsi, do you remember that? Like, right. you know, which one's better kind of um, taste test. I remember taste test after taste test. I think Pepsi did the taste test. Yes. Pepsi challenge. Um, so do you feel like that was short-sighted because they weren't really talking about which one was, they were talking very singularly about this product and this product. They weren't talking about your life being better. Right. The, the funny part about that example is that while marketing research had gotten to a statistics point, uh, behavioral neuroscience had not caught up. And what uh, we've learned now is that when you ask somebody a yes or no question as far as a preference and then ask them why, those responses come from two totally different parts of the brain that do not communicate with one another. Oh. So if you want to know, if some, yeah, it's like, which is why we probably had the cars of the 80s. That's the only explanation. Yeah. yeah. Why the are colors they and the, the co style of the 80s too. Right. The I, hair, maybe. I grew up with an avocado refrigerator, right? Oh. And so. If you say, ask simply, do you like this or not? And you get a yes or a no, you can bet the bank on that. But if you ask somebody why, the brain switches into the, well, why? Like, Quick, make something up. They're looking at you. And then, <laughs> and then it will. And it will completely synthesize an answer that has no connection neurologically to where yes or no came from. Really? So, so yes and no are more base instinct questions right. than a why. Yeah. And so and when interesting. It, and when it comes to stitching in the better, if we, if you want to find, I would say it, if I took a temperature of the entire market of everything that we see just in the wild, I would say that pharmaceutical companies are killing it as far as marketing better living right now. Right. Because you never see them like, this is my third pill of the day I'm taking. They right. are always. And if, and if it was, you know, scientifically isolated, like a taste test, well, 
It doesn't take much imagination where that test would take place if you were offering a pill for some type of celiac disease or <laughs> gastrointestinal related, related phenomenon. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody There's... wants to share that moment of like, you know, I think it is making a difference. <laughs> you know, it's, they want to see people happy and smiling and living their best life. Uh, and which also then begs the question, all right, who's doing that now? Pop quiz. Who oh, do you yeah. Who do it? you think as a brand is doing that right now? Yeah. Who's uh, reaching into the better living. Be better. Oh, yeah. We, we, Tesla. Yep. So what's, what's Tesla's market? You know, I mean, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I don't know anything. I don't know much about Elon Musk. I don't know that there's a volcano somewhere that we don't know about. But he would but be he, in that volcano. I mean, who wouldn't want a volcano office? I'm just putting with that a little, out there. With a, with a little cat a little that you cat. pet. I love and, cats, yeah, you know. No. Uh, and so what is what is Tesla offering? You know, what are people doing in Teslas? Number one, they look super cool. They're completely built differently. When you go to a Tesla store, you don't just see cars laying around. You can actually see one completely disassembled. And it's like, we'll show you what this is from the ground up. And there's a brand around it that invites you into a new and completely different lifestyle. It's, you know, they're the ones with the self-driving cars and the electric and, you know, they're pressing the button pretty hard on that and, and making it a mass produced product, even though it seems like an individual experience. Right. And one of the probably the majors, I would say, I would say Tesla would be kind of in the current field, but the one that really kicked it kicked it off and kicked it away from Madison Avenue marketing was Apple. I was going to say that Apple. with the 1984, exactly. Um, you know, breaking the screen, exactly the runner. In fact, you know, we're cleaning some stuff out, and I actually found, uh, what's it called? The music player. See how long ago it was? An Apple iPod? iPod. Yeah. It wasn't the big one that you can sell for a lot of money. It was one of their smaller, flatter ones. You but can I'm, sell the big one. I think I have one. Yeah, in like I think those are valuable. I need to maybe go do some research. I'm yeah. like, Try not to cry on it when you're like, I remember when this was new. You yes. know? It's like, I bought this new. I think I have an Apple IIe, you know, the yeah. one that they said was portable. Right. And it had the carry case and looked like a square. Yeah. Putting, you know, a, putting a strap on something yeah. doesn't make it portable. Yeah, it was definitely. But at the time, that was, you know, better than a desktop. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sure. So and and if you look at at their early moves, the earliest move was of course the technical breakthrough. That no doubt about that. But if you looked at their competitors at the time, there were many more that were more technically adept. However, Jobs and his team brought the hey, I'm here to put a dent in the universe, and the only way to change everything is to change everyone. And that's the key feature. So if whether you're selling donuts or a new line of socks or workout equipment, you're like, how, how do I change and adapt my audience into integrating my product as part of this better world that I'm inviting them to participate in? Right. It starts from the ground up, though, with the messaging and the whole, you know, you've got to get it right so that when you are 
putting your brand out there, it's, it's hitting close to home or home. Right. And so if you were going to guess, so if you put two brands in a jar and you shook them up to see if they fight, you know, who would you, would you ever draw? And this is just totally, you know, opinion and just like shooting off the wall. Uh, Apple or like jobs, Apple versus nineties, Amazon Bezos. Where would you, where would you put them? Where would you put Amazon's Apple moment? Apple moment for me started when they started making, well, I was an Apple person from the very, very beginning. Like I had all the apples. Every time they went up, I was the little sucker that was in line um, because they had me at the ease of use. I had grown up with my dad who is into computers. And so I had several DOS and Windows and early versions of those things. And they were always command line, sort of clunky. And the Apple changed the whole way you view the experience. And so, like, I would put Apple above all that, you know. Right. Um, Amazon, to me, was a bookstore for a long time until they started really – you know, I, I, I don't know when that moment was, but they a little crossed the line and then suddenly you were like, I get everything through Amazon. Right. <laughs> you know, like, where is it, you know, cheaper? Let's check Amazon. That that moment came more in the 2000s, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about Nike and the just do it? So with, with Nike, it's number one, clothing is an intensely – competitive space right and you'd almost have to to wonder would nike be who nike is today had not professional sports changed the way they had now the other thing is well is this a chicken and the egg question would (laughs) anyone have noticed michael jordan without you know outside of his stats of course because he had incredible stats right outside of the branding surrounding him and permanently linking that product because if you look at you know air jordans right right, that that became a permanent bridge nobody has broken the bridge between nobody decided like well it'll probably never get better than jordan we should just stop tying professional athletes to any type of sports apparel that has not happened that That, is never going to happen never gonna happen (laughs) um which is a bold thing to say never uh, when it comes to marketing the but <clears throat> saying that that Nike you know that Michael Jordan and Nike did for or what Michael Jordan did for Nike one could almost argue that Run DMC did for Adidas yes <laughs> Well, that's bringing it back old yeah. school <laughs> to the time machine. To the know? time machine for everybody that is too young to know who Run DMC is. I'm very sorry for you. Yes, but you should go look them up. That's right. And Definitely. they they were pioneers in their time. Exactly. And so we we know that you know what this branding is. Yes, they were trying to sell shoes or you know what have you. But it's like no, that's part of who we are. Yeah, you they know. made it they made it into the pop culture that you were talking about earlier. They're part of the you know fabric that you see that that hand up on a ball and you're like 
those are Air Jordans. That's right. Those are Air Jordans. And those now, are- the, and then there was the whole uh, Tiger Woods, and now Gordon Spieth, and you know, and Jordan. Sorry, Jordan Spieth. <laughs> Gordon. Uh, Gordon. Yeah. Jordan. <laughs> sorry. Same thing. Same. Same. What's uh, what I will say that I have noticed is that there's. It seems, and it may be coincidental, uh, but you know. Mutual interest does not a conspiracy make, you know, uh, is that more of a, I would say a higher level of athleticism and sports is being brought into a larger audience. You know, who who am I talking about? Two majors. I'm talking about Lululemon and I'm talking about Peloton, Um, right? Because then you get the vibe of like, wait a minute, I can be my own version of a professional athlete, certainly someone who was athletic at a level beyond watching mom, you know, with her Richard Simmons tapes, <laughs> yeah. of Billy Blanks and Tybo. And, you know, they talk about reaching into the past, past. That I was like, no one knows what those things <laughs> exactly. are. That's right. So there's this thing called Google, you know. <laughs> yeah. You should check it out. That's right. Uh, and do you think that, or rather, if you had to look at your marketing crystal ball, which I know you have, because we, you know, we all have one, right? <coughs> yes. Would would you say that with popular, you know, household products, technology, athletic products, are we going to continue to see the democratization of a lifestyle that says you can do more, you can be more, you can? I think we're achieve. already there. I mean, I think that's why the American public is tired, you know? Oh, like, yeah. It's, it's exhausting being perfect it's, all the it's time. It's exhausting being on all the time. But um, I definitely think that as these brands elevate, that they raise up people to a certain level, sometimes unrealistically. Right. You know? But um, it it does beg the question, you know, are we pushing ourselves too hard? But I think we're going to have to – do that on another podcast. Yes. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll just leave the one, one question is, and the pop quiz is, how much do you think anti-consumer movements spend annually on marketing? Anti-consumer movements? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I feel like few, there's a deficit there. There's a the few commas of, in that spend. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a... But, a, a there's a difference in, in people that want to advertise and people that don't, Anti, anti-consumers. So. That's right. But like you said, we can leave that to another time. So. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up now. And we appreciate you being here with Marketing Matters and our little off-the-cuff <laughs> conversations we have. We enjoy them. We hope you do as well. Uh, reach out if you have questions and we'll talk soon. <laughs>